Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking to a Syracuse linebacking legend and doing a position-by-position breakdown of the 2021 Orange football team. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Jim Stick-Schulte, and it's our great pleasure to be joined by former Syracuse and NFL linebacker Rich Scanlon. Rich, appreciate you coming on the program. Thanks, Wes. Happy to be here. Hope all's well. Yeah, all is definitely well, especially now that we get to catch up with you. And I want to get you started on this one. You're a former Syracuse All-Big East linebacker. You played in the NFL. You've done a lot more after your playing career in the business arena. So catch us up on what you've been up to since your SU playing days. Yeah, sure. No, happy to. So, um, yeah, fortunate enough, like you mentioned, to to spend five years in the NFL um, with the Chiefs, Titans, and New York Giants. And then, uh, you know, through, you know, my NFL experience, I actually got a chance to go back to school when I was done. I uh, was able to get a master's, you know, got an MBA at the University of Pennsylvania at the Wharton School. Um, so very fortunate to do that as I, you know, thought about retiring from football and, you know, going on to my second career. So I went back to school, uh, still needed to get a job, and then uh, kind of bounced around a little bit and then found, you know, my calling really for, as a second career to be in technology. So been working with some tech startups and got involved with some private equity tech companies. And, and now currently I uh, am the CEO of a, uh, of a small tech company based in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. So that's a great segue into my next question. You're now the CEO of a company called ImageQuicks. Tell us more about the company and how you got involved there. Sure. So it's photo technology software. So we take photographers' images, you know, them being you know, school sports, um, college sports, um, school pictures, yearbooks, things like that, um, so in the high-volume space. And we give a platform to those photographers and studios to sell their um, to sell their photos online and also give them the software to help manage, you know, the back end of their, you know, photo management. So it's really a, a two-part pl- platform, one, to, you know, sell an e-commerce uh, website, and then two, um, to manage, you know, photo, video, um, work processes and workflows. So, um so yeah, so I'm, I'm I've been pretty ambivalent to the uh, to the to the companies that I can involve with. The one before this, I was in um, telecom technology, focused on text messaging for business and number management for big carriers. Prior to that, I worked at a company called Medallia, which is focused on customer feedback. So if you got a survey and an email ever, um, probably came from them. So so really involved in the tech space and kind of industry agnostic. You had a really great career at Syracuse. Again, you're an all Big East linebacker. You were part of a team that finished ranked 14th in the country in 2001. Do you have a favorite memory from your Syracuse playing days? I would have to say, so 2001 um, was a special year for for many reasons. Um, the first game, this is very apropos given the time of year. Um, the first game back after 9/11, we played Auburn in the Carrier Dome on like a Saturday night. 
and it was the first game back after, you know, 9-11 had happened. Obviously, we were, you know, New York's college team. Um, I think the governor was there, um, and it was just like an electric environment, and we went out, and, you know, the defense had a, had a great game. I remember Dwight Freeney, I think, had four and a half sacks or something like that, and just being a part of that, you know, really special day, and I think we, we won pretty handily. Um and that was, you know, one of many great games in that season. But that was a memory that, that really, really sticks out to me. Um, there are, of course, a bunch of others. But, you know, that's the one that, you know, one of the ones that I always call on, you know, when uh, when people ask me about my, my time in Syracuse. That's definitely a really good one. And I want to get your take on the current state of the Syracuse defense playing that three three five and the current batch of linebackers the Orange has. Yeah, so... Um, as far as the schemes and, and things of that nature, I mean, you have to adapt to the times. Obviously, you know, the RPO offensive game uh, of today's, you know, college football, very different than, you know, the read option um, uh, of when I played. So, you know, you just have to adapt to the game. You know, I think West Virginia had a beta 3-3-5 when, uh, when I was there. So it's not unheard of, and I think it's just a sign of the times, right? Offenses are spreading people out, so you need more athletes on the field um, you know, to cover all the space out there. So, you know, it makes sense. Um, you know, and as far as the, the current stable linebackers, you know, really excited about, you know, what they've been able to do at the position. I think overall on defense, you know, if you look at, you know, the past few years, you know, there's been a lot of NFL-ready talent that, that's come out of, you know, the defensive side of the ball, which is awesome to see. Obviously, I'm a defensive guy, so I'm pretty biased. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward, you know, to, to seeing the guys progress like Michael and, and, and the rest of the guys in the, uh, in the linebacking core. I obviously follow it, you know, pretty closely in terms of watching them on, on Saturdays. But, uh, but I'm excited about what the defense has been able to do. I thought they played well last year. You know, I thought they got tired at times. You know, they were out for a while. Um, but I thought they played really well. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, playing itself out in, you know, in the NFL. If you look at the guys that have continued on, you know, in their career, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, you know, how the defense has, you know, has been able to, um, you know, kind of, um, grow their talent level and, you know, also experience some success at the next level. And Rich, we'll get you out of here on this one. How do you feel about where the program is right now? And what do you think of Dino Bapers? So at the beginning of the year, I always have a ton of optimism. So I'm excited for the season. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it's really just a matter of how, you know, can we, you know, um, obviously I know some of the challenges from last year. Um, I'm always, like I said, going into every season, I'm always optimistic. Um, obviously you don't hope for a season like 1 in 10. But, um, but I'm always optimistic. And, you know, Syracuse before has proven over the past, you know, you know, five, ten years that, you know, we can go from one and ten to you know eight three or you know seven and four, what have you, and get to a bowl game. And I think that's always my aspiration and expectation for this team is you know to be competitive, you know, in in every single game, and you know to make a bowl game. I mean, I think that's that's the expectation, you know, of the alums that you know I've you know that I know, and you know the that era of Syracuse where you know we were in a bowl game pretty much every year, winning records, and you know win nine, ten games a season, be nationally ranked. I mean that's the aspiration that that I have for the program. I hope the players and the coaches have for, and I know they have, you know. And I think that's that, that's the goal that you know that we always need to shoot for, you know. And I think um, you know, like I said, I'm just always full of optimism at the beginning of the year, so I'm you know I'm confident that. 
you know, the team will be much improved. And, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing what they do and uh, getting up to a game. Rich, thanks so much for coming on the program again. Our great friend, former Syracuse All-Big East and NFL linebacker, Rich Scanlon. Rich, really appreciate your time. Congratulations on all your success in the business arena. Enjoy the college football season, and we'll speak with you soon. Thank you so much, Wes, and appreciate uh, you guys having me on, and uh, look forward to hopefully seeing you guys at a game. Rich Scanlon, definitely one of my favorite guys from the latter years of the Paul Pascaloni era. Very cool to catch up with him. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online senior columnist, Jim Stickschulte. Jim, how are you today? Doing well, Wes. How are you? Jim, doing well. Let's talk a little Syracuse football. It's our annual podcast when you break down the football team. So starting on offense, I know you wanted to highlight the wide receivers, but what do you think of the group overall? Well, the primary thing is something I discovered looking back at what wide receiver production has been like in the time that Dino Babers has been the head coach. Obviously, when Babers came to Syracuse, we knew a lot about up-tempo and high speed and running a lot of plays and throwing the ball a lot. And, you know, Babers talks about wanting to run as well. And so I just looked at what, what wide receiver production was like in the Dino Babers era and uh, have found what the, probably the real problem with the wide receivers is in that Syracuse needs at least one more to show something significant this year. Uh, they returned Taj Harris and Anthony Quigley, uh, who were the two starters last year. Uh, Harris has, you know, 135 receptions in his career and is closing in on 2,000 career yards. Quigley got his first significant playing time last season, had 37 catches as well. But in the previous years under Babers, there's been a lot more diverse uh, production from the wide receivers, not just uh, two guys at wide receiver and then whatever happens, happens. Even in the beginning when we saw guys like Amba Edatawo, or Phillips and Steve Ishmael putting up monster receptions, Babers first year, Edatawo had 94 catches, or Phillips 90, but there were two other guys who had 48 catches, at least 48 catches. And even the following year, Steve Ishmael had 104, and Phillips had 89 catches. And there was, and there was another wide receiver with, with 33 receptions, and Ravian Pierce at tight end had 29. Uh, you know, the 2018 season, the one that we always think back to, it was Eric Dungy and ever, and no one else. Well, there were four wide receivers on the roster that year who had at least 40 receptions, and the leader was Sean Riley with 64, so it's not like they had somebody out there putting up absolutely ridiculous video game numbers, but they had four wide receivers who were all threats on the field who had to be covered, had to be worried about by defenses. You know, and last year, I, you know, yes, it was only 11 games instead of 12 or 13 in the case of that 2018 season. But, you know, Harris was under, the leading receiver was Harris, and he had under 60 receptions. Quigley had 37, and the third wide receiver was Nikeem Johnson, who had 20 catches last year, and he's now transferred out of the program, so he's not around. So in addition to, you know, all the concerns about who's going to be the starting quarterback and how's the offensive line going to look and how can they be healthy, a lot they need a lot more from these wide receivers and from a lot more guys than just, you know, the returning starters in Harrison Quigley. Otherwise, it's hard to see this offense getting much better, and that's a little grim to think about when we think about how bad the offense has been the last couple seasons. Jim, let's move over to the other side of the ball. How do you think Syracuse will do in terms of replacing three defensive backs who are now playing in the NFL, and how about the rest of the defense? Uh, the defense, I, I I don't have any real concerns about the, the front line, the defensive line. Pretty much everyone who was a real contributor last year is back. And so, you know, if, you know, they should be able to stay healthy, they'll be able to rotate a lot of guys through. 
the linebacking group was developing stars. Everyone knows about Michael Jones or Michael Jones, excuse me, uh, and everything he did last year and becoming a starter. But even Jeff Cantonarku and Stephon Thompson, who were out there as starters as well, performed well, especially Thompson, who was a true freshman. Um, Marlo Wax is the only other experienced linebacker. So while he can certainly see, you can certainly feel comfortable with, um, with him on the field working in through as a rotation player. That's about where the depth ends in the linebackers. And while we think about the defensive backs, how they lost three players to the NFL draft in Andre Sisco and Trill Williams and Ify Melifanwu, I mean, in a sense, now that, you know, Sisco and Trill Williams are gone, their injuries last year, while they certainly did not help the product last year, uh, they probably actually will, you know, make things better this year um, just because with them, with Cisco being lost for the season due to injury and then Terrell Williams opting out after he was injured, Jihad Carter and Rob Hanna stepped into their positions on the field as freshmen last year and played very well, or at least, as, you know, probably as well as could be expected. Uh, Carter had 67 tackles, which was second on the team and had a couple of picks, and Hanna had 55 tackles, including a dozen in the game against Duke. Those guys, you know, while they'll still be listed in the program as freshmen because of the pandemic, but because the pandemic not costing them a season of eligibility, they're actually more like they actually have basically a full season of uh, of experience under their belt. So even though it says freshmen, they'll be ready to go. And even Amon Greenwood got to got to play a decent amount last season. Eric Cole should be returning from injury, and then Jason Simmons, the transfer from New Mexico State. Um, while there's no true second quarterback to line up across from Garrett Williams, having a lot of guys with game experience and, you know, and who played cornerback at some point in their career, either, you know, some, some at Syracuse or even just in high school, it looks like one of those guys is going to be picked or, or the freshman Darian Deuce Chestnut, uh, one of the, uh, highlights of the incoming class to start next to Williams. So, but the thing, the good thing is, even though those guys were injured last year, and all and lost all that talent to the NFL, the Syracuse defensive backfield still should be pretty good, even though they normally play five guys out there instead of four. And Jim, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts? Uh, just one thing, because we, you know, we joke about as Syracuse football fans or followers of the program that about the importance of kickers and punters at Syracuse, but we actually have probably the best kicker in program history on the roster. Andre Schmidt. We all remember that he won the Lou Groza Award as a freshman. But he's really good, man. I mean, I was looking at his record. He's he's second all time in school in uh, I'm sorry, fourth in Syracuse history in scoring with 291 points. He's got 50, he's made 56 out of 65 field goals, which is well over an 80% clip. He's hit over 80% nature his three seasons, and he's 43 points behind Nate Trout for the top of the leaderboard and four field goals away from owning that record as well. I know we don't really get excited about kickers that often. But Schmidt's one of the best in school history, and hopefully uh, he'll do a little more work in putting his name all over the top of some very uh, very prestigious lists in the Syracuse record book this year. Jim, my closing thoughts are on Syracuse basketball recruiting. The Orange recently lost out on five-star wing Kamari Lands, who decommitted, but they're continuing to recruit hard in the 2022 class. One guy they've been after for a while is four-star point guard J.J. Starling, a native of Syracuse who played at nearby Baldwinsville. He's on the Syracuse campus from September 10 to 12 for an official visit, according to Pro Insights Andrew Slater. He'll also be visiting Notre Dame, Northwestern, and Duke in September. A commitment from Starling would help ease the loss of lands. It'll be a tough battle against Duke, but the Orange is still very much in this recruitment, so let's see how it plays out. 
That's it for us for Jimstick Schulte. This is Wes Chang reminding you that volleyball is a weird-looking sport that just looks like two groups of people who don't want a volleyball. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, an infant formula company on a mission to get a lot closer to the most super, super food on the planet, breast milk. Our patented protein blend has more of the important and most abundant proteins actually found in breast milk. We're the first and only U.S.-made formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. We even conducted the largest clinical trial by a new infant formula company in a quarter century with clinically proven benefits like easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus a leading infant formula. And we make our own formula in the USA and our very own factories in Iowa, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.